When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it a Thursday with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Stocking Hat Thursday. If you are in the Midwest or in Nebraska, you know. If you're somewhere warm, good for you. Hope you're doing all right. We are going to get after it. Some thoughts uh, on uh, projecting this recruiting class, also the topic of attrition. Brandon Vogel going to join us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And we talked to Vogues this morning over on sister station KFOR here locally in Lincoln. And I asked Vogues what he was up to. And Vogues is enjoying his holidays Somewhere in the woods in a cabin. Yeah, I think there was a famous movie by that title, Cabin in the Woods. So we'll, we'll Probably see what... a book, too, that Vogues has written or, or, or read. Well, have you, have you seen Cabin in the Woods? No. It's an absolute horror movie about oh, like, no. all these, I think it's about these, uh, these teenage friends that go to a cabin in the woods and they, like, some mass murder bad, starts bad, picking bad off one by one. Happen. We, well, we've set the tone this holiday season. So we're sending thoughts and prayers to Brandon Vogel as he's at a cabin in the woods. Vogel's right now is has got his uh, his axe handy and he's getting firewood ready before his big his big radio hit. So excited to spend time with Brandon Vogel. He's back with us in hour two. Bill Dolman is somewhere uh, that doesn't require a stocking hat. He is. I, last time I checked in, he was either in Arkansas or Mississippi, maybe Jacksonville bound. I we'll, we'll catch up with the Pride of Fairbury and NBC Sports, the professor Bill Dolman here in hour two. Gary Barnett will join us. We'll get his reaction to Co- Coach Prime and kind of the fallout with how things went with their class, specifically how... Uh, some of the scholarships weren't honored, but also Coach Barnett's take on on the job Matt Rule did in in short order, and uh, that will uh, be some good info from Coach Barnett. And and then we'll wind out the show with Danny Burke from Vizen. Plenty of NFL options. Got your Thursday night football, your Christmas Day football, your Sunday ball. So uh, lots of NFL action squeezed around some of those uh, those December bowl games. Numbers to get in can join us today on Hale Varsity at 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. 
5865 can send emails that way we'll get to more of your emails chris at hailvarsity.com and if you want to interact on the show always excited to do that via Streamyard. can watch and send your comments in on the hail varsity youtube channel also on twitter espn lincoln's facebook and twitter and then the hail varsity radio twitter handle give that a follow as well at h varsity radio can watch the show that way can also watch coffee and cream uh, weekday mornings with uh, damon benning and andrew rogers seven to nine a.m find us on twitter at schmidt underscore radio or at herbal essence last pitch for you still time uh, to get your subscription to hail varsity magazine hail varsity dot com can uh, log on hailvarsity.com backslash you got it you got it i believe in you it's not subscribe it's not it's not it is not subscribe but uh backslash offer yeah you got it he finally got it i was waiting for this damn scroll to come across It's offer. Well, so. that's a, that's a, a great thing to, to mention for the listeners at home. We know it's a URL. You got to remember, put it in the back of your head, hellvarsity.com uh, backslash offer. But if you're like, man, what did those guys say? I don't want to go scrub through the entire podcast. We do have it constantly rolling at mm-hmm. the bottom of our live stream. Again, that's up on the Hail Varsity Twitter page, Hail Varsity's YouTube page, uh, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook. A lot of great places for you to check it out. And you can always see it at the bottom of the scroll there and uh, get yourself a deal. I believe it's $20 off an annual subscription. That's a, that's a win. And it goes well with what's been on our mind, and that is recruiting and signing day. Uh, you want to sign on the dotted line, you get an offer because of what your film has said, what you've shown in camp, maybe some other interest around the region, right? You're going to get an offer. Are you going to sign? And listen, uh, we'll know in, in two to three years how yesterday went for Nebraska football. We'll know uh, how things go from an attrition standpoint. What's Nebraska able to retain with this class? Are there kids that stick and stay? And or and are they are they able to be developed? Are they coached up, right? And and that's such a, a big part of what Matt Rule is is really all about. It's really a, a big part of why you you keep a guy like uh, Donnie Raiola because not only are you guys on the same page philo- uh, philosophically with how you want the offensive line to play, but listen, uh, both guys are, are going to work on the offensive line, that group specifically, to get what's here at a better level. They believe that can happen. And then uh, four of the, the Nebraska kids that you signed in yesterday's class, the early signing period. You have four linemen uh, from the, the state of Nebraska, and, and that's how Nebraska is is going to get back to being Nebraska, getting back to being competitive, getting back to being a team that's pretty physical and tough and, and deep, right? You do that through development. And we can smile if you're a Nebraska fan about the number of commits and we can smile about the track record of development, but ultimately it, it's going to come down to uh, a two-way street of kids being coachable, kids getting better through drill work and practice. I know that sounds boring, but then it translating to performance on the field. And, and it's also going to be about evaluating the right guy. I think you look back, and as we talk attrition for a minute, 
you look at all the kids, and, and all's a a, a a term, but you look at a majority of the kids that, that came uh, in, in some of Coach Frost's early classes. And this isn't, uh, let's get the old Festivus stick out and, and, and cane Scott Frost. It's, it's the fact that they knew what they knew from where they were. Where were their recruiting ties? Who did they know? Who did they think? could okay they're speed demons and they're fast so let's bring them up to big 10 football well you, you, who knows a lot of those kids didn't stick didn't stay different reasons homesick covid uh not big enough for got impatient whatever the case right there's a hundred different reasons system didn't quite fit them I, yeah. I think i think we saw that a couple times offensively yes. where you know what maybe the system or they fit the system that scott frost had in mind whenever he first started out at nebraska but then after a year in the big 10 he said okay we have to amend our system here a little mm-hmm. bit and now half that first recruiting class no longer fits the system and that's a, an exaggerated sure. number but you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. just that 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 Scott Frost's cha- plan seemed ever-evolving while he was here at Nebraska, and therefore it felt like recruits that were big wins on the recruiting trail no longer quite fit what he wanted to do, both they, offensively and, they, and defensively. And they could have fit it at, at, at Central Florida. They could have fit at Oregon. They just didn't fit for Big Ten. And that's one of the things that you, you carry with you uh, from Coach Rule's comments yesterday is figuring out how to win. What's it going to take to win in the Big Ten? You think you know, right? But – that uh, that formula in uh, at Temple and that formula at Baylor, from a stylistic standpoint, does that win week in week out at uh, at Big Ten level of play? Just because it's different, and so he's he, he's smart, and, obviously and- with with not knowing what what he doesn't know, and that is all right. Uh, what's it? You know, we got to figure out how to win here, and I'm paraphrasing, but that is super important, and it's such a noted shift from. Well, well, we think the Big Ten's going to have to adjust to us. And again, not to get out the old festive, uh, festivist stick like you said, <laughs> Schmitty, but it's such a noted change that it feels like a breath of fresh air. That's a lot of what you have, right? And, and you're, you're taking away from yesterday and just all-encompassing of, of Coach Rule with his persona. What He, he spends time on football. And, and the the results will be the hype versus let's let's hype 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 and then those results should follow because of all the hype there's well, there's some more there's some more substance here and some guys are four stars some guys are portal guys he didn't just based based on film or availability just just go grab he he had to to hurry because of when he got here, but he didn't rush. He was still thorough enough. There was still a plan. And from an evaluation standpoint, there's been time put in to evaluate. And, you know, where's Nebraska going to go with uh, some of their areas of need, right? You, you got three linebackers, okay? A couple of them are high school. You got uh, no tight ends. You didn't get a high school quarterback. Well, so those, those are a couple of holes. Interior not- defensive line is the big one I look at, and mm-hmm. I go, that was a big weak point for Nebraska net last season, not necessarily in the starting lineup, but in the fact that your depth <laughs> by the, the third and fourth quarter, you don't have any more guys that can rotate in on the interior defensive line. And 
Shmi, were there any interior defensive linemen, true interior defensive linemen that were added in this class? I mean, you have um, Machacek, who we talked to yesterday, who is potentially an interior defensive lineman, but that, that was a, I, a big I, I one think, that I, I thought think, needed instant attention, and we haven't quite seen it, and maybe they have a plan with Transfer Portal in the spring there to try to bring in some more guys in the interior defensive line, but that's the most major and pressing need that I don't think has been filled yet by Matt Rule and his staff. Well, you have, you have a couple of guys here that you're going to get in and, and develop. But what you don't want to have is this constant cycle of playing guys too young before mm-hmm. they're ready. I guess that that's the point I'm getting at here is is with the the immediate and pressing need it felt like last season. I'm not quite sure that that the need has been addressed. And I think there's what there's two interior defensive linemen added. What's what's in the cupboard? What's staying? And then what's behind your projected starters? That's going to give you time to to get at least a couple of these guys in this class. Uh, ready for when it's their time. You have Vincent Carroll Jackson. Yep. He's he uh, he's out of Harrisburg. He's at six five two seventy. Riley Van Poppel's six five two seventy five out of Argyle, Texas. Those are the big bodies you think about. Uh, you have the offensive line guys that that can go. Machacek and, and Goldman both offensive line, defensive line. We both think that they're going to start out on on the offensive line. But yeah, just two guys for this class you still have a second signing period mm-hmm. okay and there's still the, the the portal can reopen but you don't want to you don't want to live on the portal for your lines of scrimmage you need to to settle you can you can band-aid some stuff but it's just been interesting where nebraska went you think back to, to 2021 right and what they had and and with um um with with uh, you had Robinson, okay. Uh, you had Stilly, all right. Uh, you had Rogers. Uh, you, you had, had snacks. You had snacks. I mean, you you had some bodies, and then you had some guys. D train. You had people that that had some snaps, be able to to rotate in, and then you go from solid depth to all right, man. It's uh, it's your time, Ty Robinson. It's your time. Polar Bear. It's your time, Colton Feast. And, and Colton Feast rose up. And then you went portal, right, for a couple of the kids from, from Power 5 schools. One kid from Bama, one kid from Tech. And they didn't play bad. And you went O'Shawn Mathis as well. They didn't play bad, but it wasn't quite the pop I think you were hoping to get or wanting to get. As opposed to being a second unit that came in and was challenging the starters and playing up to that level, and it felt like no drop-off, which is the goal you want. If you're going to be rotating defensively, you can't have drop-off between those first and second guys, or or it needs to be minimal drop-off between those first and second guys. And that's what you had two seasons ago. Mm -hmm. When you went from Ty Robinson to uh, DeAndre Thomas, there was a little bit of drop-off, but it was minimal. Mm -hmm. When you went from, uh, uh, excuse me, Ben Stilley to, to, to Casey Rogers. A little bit of drop-off, but, but not significant. Every time Casey Rogers came in, he had a TFL. That's what I'm saying. But then you look at last season, and there was a noticeable drop-off when guys like Stefan Wynn and Devin Drew came in. Those guys needed more seasoning on him. And, and Stefan Wynn was a guy that was at Bama. I think he came in and performed just fine. But it, it, there was noticeable drop-off. You, let's, let's be honest. And this isn't shade at Wynn or Drew, but you look, or even Oshan. But based on what... You, you saw a guy like O'Shawn put up his first two years in the Big 12 where he was all Big 12 and he was a sack master. And then Wynn, you're wondering, okay, why is Wynn leaving? Well, it's because there's a 1,000 first-rounders or third-rounders in front of him, which was true. 
at Alabama, you're expecting more splash, more mm-hmm. steady play, probably more. And he probably did his job. You're not going to go have Sue-type numbers unless you're Sue on the interior. Your job's to get in the way and keep people off your linebacker. But if you had the opportunity to make some plays at the line of scrimmage, Nebraska needs more of that. And I know that, that Coach White is going to want more of that. Absolutely, from uh, from his uh, defensive line setup. So, uh, you you have a, a smaller number of interior defensive linemen taken. You don't have a ton of linebackers taken. But I, I think they they went quality over quantity with. I their think linebackers. you're right on. Yes, I think they were. I think they were absolutely strategic with with, with Rogers, with Borders, and with Fields. I think those are three guys that they think can, can come in and contribute right away. Based on the film, I mean, uh, Tony White was was just raving about what these guys can do on the field. Things, well, the things are all pretty much called ready. Yeah. He pretty much said all these guys, like I think are, are all conference possibilities after a couple of years here at Nebraska. And you don't say that about a guy unless they can come in and make a contribution their freshman year. Like you look at Ernest Hausman, mm-hmm. his freshman year, he came in, made a contribution. You saw the, the, well. the, the flash. You go, that's a Sunday guy. That's a guy that's either going to be first, second, third round in the draft here in a couple of years. And probably he's an all conference type guy. Whenever you have that kind of guy in your program, they're going to come in and, and make an impact their freshman year. They might not start, but they'll make an impact. And I think that's what Nebraska thinks they have with these three linebackers they brought in. Yeah, you just don't want to throw them in too early and then have them struggle and have doubt. Brandon Vogel's coming up. It's Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, the managing editor for HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Again, that uh, special, HaleVarsity.com backslash offer. offer. Come on. No, I was there. <laughs> you just say it together. It's well, offer. we got to make the listeners at home think about it. They're going to they're gonna hear that, and they're going to go, what is it? Is they're it offer? Like, Shut it- up about selling me things. So, <laughs> offer. Take care of yourself, digital and print you'll love it vogues we were having a smile about you being out in the uh, the woods in a cabin there's no snow there's no wind chill you uh you're living your best life i love it explain to our listeners and those that are watching hail varsity youtube channel and of course hail varsity radio twitter and espn lincoln twitter where you're at you're off in the woods collecting your thoughts decompressing from signing day in the Latest issue, hang on, hang on, and shameless plug here. Latest issue uh, of, of Hale Varsity. So you are you are a hunker down for Christmas. Is there a wood chipper near you? <laughs> there's there's not a wood chipper. Uh, there is a, a river about uh, probably 50 yards over my left shoulder. I'm actually out on the screened-in porch slash grill slash bar area. So it's warm enough for that today here in eastern Tennessee. But I think like everybody else, we're expected to drop about 30 degrees overnight and see the coldest temperatures in in decades. So it's coming. So I I enjoyed the chance to just sit out here and chat some football. Do you have, and I'll get to football, but do you have like the Heisenberg kind of stove in the middle of of the the, the main cabin region? No, this isn't quite that rustic of a cabin. It's, uh, the, the amenities are a little bit more modern. We're actually heading back to to Chattanooga tomorrow, so just got out for a night or two um, and enjoying that. Have you, have you seen that that movie? It's probably about ten years old now, called Cabin in the Woods. I think it has one of the Hemsworth brothers in it, and I've never quite seen it. But uh, I heard Vogue was in a cabin in the woods, and that was the first place my mind went. Is that he should probably be looking over his shoulder. I, I have seen that movie. I enjoyed it. It was it was a pretty fun one. Um, so far, our cabin in the woods has not had any of the uh, 
misadventures that are portrayed in that film and uh, we're hoping we're hoping to avoid that we'll, we'll take a more sedate boring cabin in the woods well uh okay this all can circle back and tie into recruiting there's been misadventures with classes you uh nailed in your column uh dot com. The, uh, the the rundown here, the, the the bullet points, if you will. And Vogues, you've always focused on a key point in, in any programs, but, but specifically with Nebraska, that's attrition. What's normal? What's normal in a four-year window? And what's normal for a class? Let's start there with the dirty word of attrition and how it's affected Nebraska. Yeah, so what has been normal at Nebraska in the past is a little over 40%. So I think looking at 2011 to, I mean, you can go all the way to this past class. The thing with this is, you know, like the 22 class has only had one cycle to to leave yet. So it usually takes it a while to catch up. Um, But right around 40, 42%, I think that's, it might be a little bit higher than, you know, some of Nebraska's peer schools, but not drastically so. And, you know, on a day like signing day where you sign, these schools sign 20-some guys, you kind of got to look at it and say, well, uh, eight of those probably aren't going to end up finishing their career at Nebraska for sure. And that's just kind of the rate at which these things go. The Scott Frost era was a little bit higher. Um, It's tough to assess what that means right now, if that was because of the lack of success on the field, or if it was because the the entire transfer process changed while he was he was the Huskers head coach. So that'll be you know monitoring that more closely. It'll be interesting to see when we get four, five, six years down the road to see if that attrition rate has has risen at Nebraska as well as at other schools. And, And I kind of expect that it will because you know we've only had this is only the third time third transfer period where guys can transfer and not lose a a year of eligibility that drastically changes things and it it does almost feel like the transfer portal year in year out is getting crazier and crazier where bigger and bigger names are into the transfer portal more more and more people are checking out you know what let's see what nil opportunities are out there and i can always go back to the school that, that i came from should i not find what i was looking for but it just feels like every single year there's more and more splash names splash type players in the portal and it's it's not just because of coaching changes like it, it was almost two years ago yeah it's not and i think you know you're still seeing so this is the third fall where they've had that opportunity um or second fall sorry i'm all mixed up um it still feels new enough. It still feels like kind of a, a, a new avenue to explore. I expect we get three, four years down the road. I, I would expect it to slow down a little bit because, I mean, you see the numbers that are that are in the transfer portal now, and you just know that there's not enough spots for where guys want to go. Um, now they can always go, you know, go down a little bit lower. And I do think overall that's what the transfer portal is doing is it's helping guys find the level that is actually right for their kind of skill level. Um, That said, you know, it's viewed more as, Hey, there's a big opportunity here. Let's, let's go out and chase it. Um, And I don't begrudge anybody that, but I do expect, you know, it's going to take a couple of cycles of people seeing, Hey, I went to the portal and this didn't work out for me at all. Um, for that to slow down at all. Brandon, a point I made up on the show yesterday, and I want to get your take on it, is that the transfer portal right now is what 
Juco was to college football 10 years ago. You know what? If a guy's at a school like Rhode Island or, or name a smaller school, that's almost a new Juco. You go get a, a D1 experience. You can go get some college strength training underneath your belt. You can get some college D1 experience. And then you know what? You, you, if, if you pop, if, if you bet on yourself and it bets and the bet works out, you can go up to a, a Power 5 program, become an, an instant starter, get a year or two there, and then head off to the NFL. Yeah, you can. Um, and, I mean, we've seen, you know, Samori Toure uh, last year with Nebraska coming up from the FCS. Like, I, I, I'm excited for those guys that, that kind of prove themselves at, at, at oh, Rhode Island, for example, like Cornelius, who, you know, ended up going to Oregon. Um, the ones that, that kind of give me pause are the uh, – Alabama had a starter on their, on their offensive line this year who – became a really great player Vanderbilt those are the ones that like just as a college football fan make me kind of throw up the stop sign a little bit like if if Vandy is basically a farm league for Alabama Georgia etc and then things get a little bit dicey for me but what can you do I mean it's you got to have a rule that that treats everybody the same and and why I guess is that different than say going from Montana to Nebraska uh, I'm just not ready to, I guess, acknowledge that <laughs> Vanderbilt or Northwestern or somebody along those lines might be just kind of a, a power, not just a power five or power two conference feeder program, but the top levels of those, the power five, power two. Brandon Vogel in a cabin in the woods with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking uh, Nebraska and signing day. When you look at some takeaways, Vogues, you go through the names, you go through the class We'll be able to grade this uh, accurately two to three to four years down the road. Whether you stay, you hit on a kid, or a walk-on is an eraser for you. Uh, if, if if a scholarship guy didn't live up to the hype or the hope anyway. But what, what did you like about rules first haul? The thing that stuck with me from yesterday and listening to him, you know, speak for for a good amount and and the players that they chose was that everyone out there talks about development right i mean it's it's kind of unavoidable you've got to do it but with, with rule i i really do sense kind of a passion for it um and you see that evidence in some of the guys that they took you know bryce turner based on track times is probably one of the 10 fastest guys in texas that said it came out of nowhere um and this staff coach rule and the guys that have been with him are like no like you can't coach how fast that guy is and we're excited to to get him better as a football player um you have those examples and there there are a handful of them in this class so it's a it's a heavy developmental class i think which a lot of times you know people might view as is as a negative i think here at the start of a tenure um it's 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 okay i mean you're out there trying to do what the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States of the world do, which is just accumulate the highest level talent you can get. Um, but if, if you're if you're not at that level, and not many teams are, most teams are closer to where Nebraska is at, where you've got to get 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 your evaluations right on some guys, and then you've got to coach them well. Um, and I sense a real passion for doing that from this staff. Brandon, on the flip side of things, a topic we were discussing in our first segment was, well, what are some holes that still remain in this roster following the early signing period? And you have probably five months to try to get some of those things covered once you get through spring ball. Once you get into summer, you kind of need to have your roster closer to finalized. But what holes do you still see in this roster, things that give you a little pause with this 2023 team? Yeah, I think, I think the big one, if they could – add some experience on the O-line. Um, 
would be would be one that I, I would highlight. You know, I, and Matt Rule talked for, pretty glowingly about Nebraska's offensive line that's coming back. So, so that was that was interesting to me as well. But I, the thing with the portal is, is those kind of a Cornelius, for example, those guys get. I mean, Ohio State was in on him right away. Uh, those those kind of offensive linemen who have proven themselves elsewhere are are the hottest and maybe hardest commodity to get in the transfer portal. But if Nebraska could add some experience there, maybe just one guy, um, I think that would be big. I would look for them to look pretty hard at running back as well. Not that the depth is, is bad there, um, but I think there's there's room to add on that one. And then, you know, in the secondary, they've got a lot of good young players, but that's one where you're going to see a lot of good potential candidates via the transfer portal or even via – uh, January recruiting because we've still got that too. It's not out of the question that Nebraska adds a couple of more before February signing day. Vogues, I've got uh, well about a minute here. Uh, I want to hold you over for a, just a couple of minutes and then I'll let you go crank the wood chipper up uh, and and continue to enjoy family time. But we'll uh, we'll spend some time and dive in with kind of what got away. We we focused on and rightfully so what Nebraska did do. And that is do well in state. They, they got eight Nebraskans. They did well with the 500-mile radius that, that, that you've highlighted and you also featured in the latest issue of the, the magazine where that's always kind of been a key to success and success for Nebraska. But you do have some in-state and some regional guys that got away. So I want to get your, your take on that. Hang tight, all right? How big's the bar, or did you have to bring your own – uh hydration station yeah it, it wasn't stocked so the bar <laughs> is plenty big but uh we we kept it pretty minimal for for our two nights day okay that's fair <laughs> enough it wasn't stocked oh <laughs> uh, there's a sadness in his eyes folks he said the bar wasn't stocked brandon vogel taking some time for us here on hail varsity We'll get his take on some of the regional talent and how Nebraska can maybe fix that next cycle with some quarterbacks. And uh, you mentioned Juco, Elijah. Iowa Western won the national title. They had a couple of guys uh, go elsewhere. More with Vogue's next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Strangely enough, Vogues and I are texting about early 1990s Nike. Something showed up on a feed with the, uh, the, uh, the, the Fab Five. Uh, Charles Barkley's, if, if you're a basketball fan, you remember the Fab Five against North Carolina, the infamous timeout game, all Michigan war were those three-quarter, like, 180 airs, and Vogues and I are talking about great shoes from our junior high era. You still have some of those, Vogues? I, I 
Just one pair. I got rid of, I eventually uh, donated all the Air Jordans I had before I real, because they were old and I wore them before I realized there was going to be a market for like true vintage shoes that weren't, weren't in the best shape. Uh, the only ones I held on to were the, the red Air Maestros, which we were just talking about, uh, which I wore in my freshman year of high school. Uh, I still remember Scotty Pippen wore those, yes. um, but they debuted at the dunk contest via James Robinson. And I was like, holy cow, what are those? He's wearing all red shoes. At that point, it was it, they be, shoes basically came black or white mm-hmm. um, for the most part. You'd have some accent colors. So for somebody to have all red shoes, I think of it all the time now where, you know, you've got the entire rainbow of colors, no matter what color the team is uh, on the basketball court. And guys wearing magenta shoes. It's like... <laughs> Makes me sound old, but it's how I feel. It's like you had no idea how big of a deal it was when somebody just had red shoes. That was nice. Uh, the the options for sure. Vogue's uh, Nebraska was good with uh, getting in-state talent, but you know, Coach Rule adamant about wanting to keep all the kids here, and you had some some pretty good linemen from not necessarily Nebraska get away, but. You look at the, uh, the the Missouri region, specifically the Kansas City area. Uh, you had a handful. I mean, Oklahoma just cleaned up, uh, and, and Venables is, is a Kansas guy, so that's not that shocking. He does well in the state of Kansas or Kansas City region anyway, but Nebraska didn't get uh, anybody from Kansas City. Uh, you have uh, Bramer go to Iowa State, and then you had Thompson. Elijah and I were just talking about interior defensive line help. Thompson uh, goes to Iowa from Iowa Western. Jamison Davis going to Auburn uh, from Iowa Western. And, uh, of course, you had uh, the Colorado linebacker, Hayden Moore, end up uh, going to Michigan, decommitting from Nebraska. Then Dylan Edwards ends up with, with Dion. So so there, there's still some work to do within this 500-mile radius, not critiquing at all because I think Nebraska did well. But that's got to be a – uh, something that they want to correct here, second wave of signing or in the future, don't you think? I haven't even hit quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before Malachi Coleman, you know, declared for Nebraska, I was wondering if three of the top pass catchers in the state were gonna we're gonna go to the Big Eight, <laughs> just not at Nebraska. Two, two at Iowa State, one at Colorado. That would have been. That would have been a tough pill to swallow for someone who remembers the big eight, but uh, kept Coleman in, you know, I think that Nebraska did a good job with a little amount of time with this new coaching staff. I think of getting out locally, it's just tough to make up, you know, that much ground with, with some of these guys and you're going to lose some, some people when you have a coaching transition, that's just part of it. So I do expect, uh, you know, and rules I thought spoke pretty strongly about it yesterday about keeping that base as, as locals we've seen it. And this was a group that the average recruit came from inside the 500 mile radius. Usually most classes are a little bit over that. Um, You know, I think, Frost's 2020 class, or maybe it was 2019, averaged about 660 miles away. Um, so there, there was a definite regional flavor to this, and that's without them, I think, being able to to build a relationship with Iowa Western. Which, by the way, those offers you mentioned that that Iowa Western defense was legit. I watched that NJCAA championship game and, and came away really, really impressed. 
Brandon Vogel's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Vogue, shifting gears here a little bit. In my years working on this show, we've had Juan Dale watch. We've had Fedoni watch. This past summer, we had uh, Malachi Coleman watch. Is it time to start Riola watch? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think if we need to, you know, break a bottle of champagne on a, on a boat uh, to officially get it started, we can do that. But I think unofficially... Uh, the, the moment that decommitment came in, it, it, it got started for, for Nebraska fans. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but the ones that you mentioned were, were pretty big, you know, pretty intense recruiting battles with an intense following uh, with Riola, with him being the best player, the best quarterback in that 2024 class at this point, with his connections to Nebraska, this, that might blow, blow some of those other ones away. It's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride to to watch what happens there. Folks, I'd like to note that uh, lakes and rivers are frozen over here in Nebraska. I'm not sure we're going to find a boat to break a bottle of champagne on, but we will do uh, a, a bottle of champagne on a cabin in the woods, I think, will be a, a finer place. Or we just go back to Ireland. I can get you a boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. We can get a giant pair of scissors and do a ribbon cutting mm-hmm. if we need to. Brandon Vogel with us, uh, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, Flores, Kineholtz, Avery Johnson, J.J. Cole, of those four Midwest quarterbacks that went elsewhere, uh, is there one you liked best that more so than, than, than others? Really nice year for Midwest quarterbacks. You look at Kineholtz to Ohio State, Johnson to Kansas State, you have Cole to Iowa State, and then Flores, of course, to, to, to the mullet land. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I mean, and it's probably just a, a little bit of recency bias. Um, I saw the most out of Flores. It was really impressed with him, not just in terms of his, his skill level, but he, he struck me in the times I got to watch him as just kind of a gamer, which I think is, is the intangible with the quarterback that you're always looking for. It's, it's hard to find. Um, so to see him, you know, Good for him. He he remained pretty solid in that Oklahoma State commit from from the get go. Would have been nice to see Nebraska in on him a little bit earlier, in my opinion. But um, you know, each coaching staff's trying to evaluate what they think they need at that spot. So he's somebody I'll follow pretty closely. You know, it's it, kind of similar to to Max Duggan for me. Enjoyed watching him at TCU. No, none more so than than this year. And and I think Flores is going to be a guy who's in that same category for for me as he goes to Oklahoma State. Brandon Vogel with his Vogues. Wait, 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 Vogues, before we get you out, I got one. Is that okay, Schmitty? Sure. I, I got one. He's he's the doctor. He's like, damn it, you're burning up my cabin time. Well, this is related to camping. So I got to get the I got to get the uh, the answer. I've been thinking about doing some winter camping. Brandon Vogel's preferred camping meal of choice is what? Um, I go with, uh, I go with a ham. So I, I'm a, I'm a ham guy and I really like country ham, which may not be for everyone. Cause it's like super, super salty, but because it's so super salty and preserved, like you can carry it in your backpack. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. Um, <laughs> get a small camp campfire going. You have a little, uh, campfire pan, frying pan, slap that, those, uh, those ham slices in and, uh, you're good to go. I thought he was going to go with like you know fresh trout from a river. Way too much work on that out his out his window, or he was going to go kill his vittles and throw it over an open fire. Look, there's Bambi. Uh, <laughs> Vogel is a big venison guy. Brandon Vogel uh, on a little uh, holiday. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Vogel. We'll talk soon. Thank you. 
You as well, guys. Thanks. There he is. He's like, let me get out of here. Should be noted, my favorite uh, camping meal is Fireball Whiskey. Okay. And that is a winner. We'll wind down hour one. Bill Dolman's 15 minutes away. Gary Barnett next hour with Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity. Winding down hour one. Bill Dolman coming up. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. What's wrong with our stream? I don't here? know. There's a man who is not you as no, the that's, avatar. No, that's animal uh, <laughs> from our friends down the hall at the, uh, the Blaze. I'm not as cool as Animal, that's for sure. Let me, let me get this fixed on the stream real quick. That'd be good. There we go. Uh, reminder about buckling up. Tis the holiday season, and a reminder to keep your hands on the wheel, eyes in mind. Straight ahead, the driver has one job to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Do you like the fix? I can't see it. You can't? No. It's right there. I changed your name from Chris Schmidt to not Chris Schmidt. There we go. Fixed. Do we... Do we do I need to shake the computer like it's an Etch-A-Sketch, or what What happens here? Uh, if you just talk for a second, I'll walk into the studio and see what I can do. Okay, that would be good. Uh, so this story's out, and it's pretty interesting, and maybe you saw uh, a situation where, <laughs> I am not a tech guy, uh, Elijah's fixing the computer. Well done. Look at him. All he had to do is push a button, you old idiot, is what his thought bubble's saying. But you had uh, this situation where you had the crazy win by Vegas over New England. And, Elijah, I think you, you saw this where you have a Patriots fan oh, sitting yeah. 7,000 rows up in, in, in Vegas' stadium. And shockingly enough, there was an obnoxious Raider fan. <laughs> and and she looked like she could bench more than, than many offensive lines, okay? And she's sitting there, and this guy's in a Patriots jersey, which is brave enough anywhere, anyway to wear to a Raider game. You don't wear uh, anything but Raider gear in a Raider game. Uh, be at the Black Hole back in the day in Oakland or Los Angeles Coliseum. And now in Vegas, the whole world descends on Raider Nation. And this gal's just hammering this guy in his ear. There's no airspace. She's clearly in his bubble. And this guy and his dad are just ignoring her. They're being good fans. They're clearly outnumbered. But he put up with about as much as you can put up with. And then for the way to to end the game like that spend money travel out to vegas you're four hundred thousand rows up and you can see ants on the field and then you got hammered raider fan or just obnoxious raider fan i shouldn't say hammered that's libelous or potentially slanderous and the guy just kept ignoring her and she's just doing everything but 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 touching him but she's close enough to warrant a reaction with most people Mm -hmm. either a scream or a getaway or some sort of response well robert Kraft saw this video and said you know what thanks for standing up and being a pats fan thanks for handling things the right way uh you got a customized jersey you've got field passes you are going to new england v cincinnati this weekend i hope Kraft went the extra mile since it's going to be four thousand degrees below zero and got him sweet seats. Don't know that. But Robert Kraft uh, rewarding a fan for uh, model behavior. 
Before I say this, I'd like to note, um, there are some good Raider fans out there. I know Shane uh, with Coffee and Cream. Sure. Raiders fan. Good Raiders fan. Um, but I, you, I, everyone, everyone you, praises... You cross Shane, though, he would shiv you in this, true Raider this, fashion. This is exactly where I was going. The guy, everyone's praising his, his restraint here, being the bigger you man. Did what you're supposed he was to. surrounded by 40,000 Raider fans. That's in danger of like... No, I know. You can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get shanked, dude. <laughs> so he, he just he minded his business, but he got rewarded for it. Bill Dolman's on the way. Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Again, HaleVarsity.com backslash offer. Take care of that Nebraska fan with the digital and magazine subscription. Save some moolah. Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. And the professor checks in. So Brandon Vogel was in a cabin in the woods in eastern Tennessee. You are down south. Are you in? Uh, where are you? Are you in? Uh, you're in. You're in the SEC footprint as well. Uh, I, I am. Uh, I'm in Hattiesburg. Nice. Oh, I have friends in Hattiesburg. Is it? Is it nice? <laughs> I, I've heard decent nice things about Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg, cool. Yeah. Well, I drove through Jackson, and they pretty much shut down that place uh, since Dion left. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a cool little place. I've been here before, and uh, I had to put this sweatshirt on though. It just started to get you below sixty, stop. so uh, <laughs> I was feeling a little chill uh, here. Uh-huh. So, was it was it a flight down there, or was it a road trip down there for you, Bill? You know, I took a nice long fourteen hour drive that took me about fifteen and a half hours, just kind of on a whim to see some friends for the holidays and get away from the bitterly cold weather but this trip will take me uh from hattiesburg to denver uh also driving so okay. it's uh not well thought out but right now i am thought out so uh that's the good thing a, a guy named brett in jean shorts hasn't asked you for any money has he <laughs> no 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 uh, no volleyball courts to fund at this point I think that's all <laughs> there, there. well see um I, I have a friend who was the uh the sid for uh the volleyball team at oh, Southern no. Miss last year, and he got out like a month before this news broke. He's up at uh, somewhere in the northeast of the hockey he's, team. He's happy. Now. Oh yeah, he was sending messages like, "I am so glad I'm not down there." But Bill, what I was where I was gonna go was with that road trip down to Mississippi. There's some beautiful country you can get going through the Ozarks, and I want to know if you went through this little town in Arkansas that's got a giant raven statue right on their town square. One of the creepiest, weirdest things I've ever experienced. Where just it, it's like. Ravenden, Arkansas, or something like that, and they're right in the middle of their town is just this giant raven statue that's really creepy, and I don't know, it's, it's always stood out in my memory as being something. I've, I've driven past it a couple times, and every single time it's like, uh, no offense to the people of, of Ravenden, if you're uh, if you're a listener from down there, uh, no offense, but it is a creepy statue. 
No, I didn't do that. But for some reason, my GPS had me uh, parade through Pine Bluff like two or three times. Um, that's that's not a, necessarily a, a hot spot for vacationing, but I got a good view of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. In the rear view. So, Bill, yeah, uh, it's also minus 50 degrees there either. Yeah, Bill Dolman rubbing it in that he's warm. Uh, I got a picture of the Raven. I'll bring it up at some point That's here. wonderful. <laughs> recruiting. You uh, are very cautious about recruiting. You've always been very cautious about recruiting, but you've also been uh, right there, and you've seen it firsthand, the, the, the fruits of recruiting, and that is the, the development phase when you do identify a talent, you put work in on a kid for three years, and then – there's two years of wow on the football field and off the football field academically with Nebraska. So knowing where you stand on the whole recruiting world, uh, takeaways from yesterday, what do you think of Coach Rule and in Nebraska's class? Okay, well, for the moment, um, I think it was really impressive what they were able to put together in the short amount of time. Uh, I think most notably – not not necessarily well, i shouldn't say not necessarily but i think first and foremost that they were able to keep the previous commitments um committed that they identified that they were players that they could help them out they certainly could have been more like um the cold reality that i think a lot of players that had early, uh, previously committed to colorado when they were just flat out said you know we don't want you anymore bye i mean there there was some you know, pretty harsh tactics, I think, around, you know, I shouldn't say necessarily Colorado, but, you know, from what you read about new staffs coming in and saying they either didn't call the guy or just say, we don't want you anymore, goodbye, and that was that. So I think the fact that they identified those players that had committed and did want them for the most part and kept them in the fold, I thought that was pretty impressive. And again, I said this a couple weeks ago, you know, the University of Nebraska doesn't change. The facilities don't change. They're actually getting better and will be, you know, completed by what this summer. Um, you know, the the uh, the academic opportunities at the University of Nebraska. The only thing that changed were the names on the the nameplates and the football coaches' offices. Right. The University of Nebraska, the people of Nebraska, the fans, the passion that does not change. So that's a selling point for anybody who wants to be a part of what. Nebraska's selling, right? And then I think they went out and identified players that they have, that are part of the system that they they talk about that they have had. And I think the Bryce Turner, you know, get from Texas was one that was had people at Nebraska going, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? The guy doesn't have any stars. Well, lo and behold, he commits to Nebraska and he becomes a three-star, right? So I think that's where the scientific aspect of stars kind of gets thrown out the window. Nebraska likes him. A couple other places give him some interest, and all of a sudden he's a three-star. The same with the offensive lineman or the defensive, whatever. He's the lineman from South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Didn't have any stars going to North Dakota. Nebraska wants him. All of a sudden he's a three-star guy. And people say, oh, I've always kind of had my eye on him. You know, recruiting analysts just kind of feed off of each other, you know, uh, and the stars kind of align when they see who's recruiting a certain guy. But I thought the Turner one, the kid out of Texas, was a tell as to what kind of player they go after and how they believe in their development. And there are a few others like that. And I think that they also got transfer portal guys that have coaches that they can develop a pretty fast trust with. 
And I thought that was significant. You know, a guy like Jeff Sims saying, I want to go play where I believe in the coaches, the coaches believe in me, and I, and I think we can have a fruitful relationship. So I thought the way, you know, transfer portal guys responded to them, uh, not just because they were pouncing on an opportunity, but I thought that was also pretty uh, uh, something to be respected. Bill Dolman's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. As Bill's throwing some of his personal biases aside to talk recruiting with us here. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying National to play Sunday. the game with you guys, okay? Because <laughs> let me ask you this. If I were to ask you who half of the players or 67% of the players were in the last two Nebraska football recruiting classes, uh, I, I'm guessing not many of you could rattle off the names as easily as you can rattle I can't off the tell you. I can't tell you who uh, who's uh, – we can tell you who's here and who's I mean, versus who's not because most of them aren't here. Your head, how excited people were on signing day. This guy – and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I forgot that guy was part of that class. I didn't even know he was still around when he entered the transfer portal. Well, well, well know, Bill, I, this I, is – I think I saw this in Hale Varsity today. Could be wrong because I read a few uh, uh, of the analysis – what the the attrition rate is you know somewhere in the 50 40 to 50 percent 40 42 percent we just talked to brandon last segment that's his story that's his article right so you know how many of these guys that that we're excited about uh some more than others you know but how many of these guys are going to be around uh after at this time next year um how, how many how much let me i'm asking this also you know, and how many more guys will Nebraska bring in in February? And remember, a year ago, Nebraska's defensive line went into a complete transformation after the spring game. Mm-hmm. So they're not done with the players who are who they signed, who are here. There are guys that could still transfer out. There, the portal is still open. The guys can leave at any time. And you know, Nebraska might have another dozen players by the time. You know they break uh, they break for the for the summer. Well, Bill, when you just look at this class in particular, let, let's say that somewhere around forty percent. Let's just throw a random number. Forty percent of them are on the field next year, contributing. Maybe not starters, but they're, they're getting out there, getting some playing time. And you know, it's a larger percentage than we've seen in years past of, of true freshmen getting some action on the field. Is that a good thing for Husker football or is that a bad thing for Husker football? What's your take on that? Do you think that uh, it's better if there's talent around and these guys need some time to develop and, and get in, uh, become starters? Or do you think it's a good thing if Matt Rule's first class you know, knocks out of the park and you're finding freshmen that are good enough to contribute? Well, I think there's two sides to that. If, if there are freshmen and that number of freshmen who come in to compete, then that's a good thing because you brought in guys who believe that they can compete and they came in and they busted their asses. And I'm guessing they're not just going to give uh, playing time is just because they're the ones they signed them. I think that the, you know this staff knows they've got to play the guys who are hungriest and who are the best throughout the week, and they're the ones who deserve to play. That also identifies guys that are in the program that may not have that same kind of hunger. And I think you also want to identify that. You know, Matt Rule has said several times, you know, you got to, you know, you want the guys who want to be here. And if you have people who show up and and mail it in during uh, strength and conditioning, mail it in during the spring and, and come fall, it's freshmen who are on the field. Well, you've identified those guys who really aren't here to help you out and you've identified the ones who are. I think we, I think we all know that this, the long snapper from Florida and uh, Ortiz, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and Alvano will probably be two right off the top 
who will help Nebraska in some way, shape, or another. And I think that's a positive thing. You know, Nebraska brought in a long snapper last year, and uh, I don't recall them having a single issue with a long snap in special teams play last year at all. That was positive. That guy graduated. Now they brought in another one. So I think there's value in in keeping a spot open for somebody who's not going to be a detriment to you. And, and I think Alvano is just a spectacular kicker who could have it in back next year. Bill Dolman with us. He is down in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, as uh, we are spanning the globe. Christmas like Hattiesburg. What, what's up? Nothing screams Christmas like Hattiesburg. Hey, nothing screams Christmas like Bill Dolman in, in, in warm air. That's that's all right. What do you think uh, of the Casey Thompson-Sims uh, dynamic here uh, and the quarterback room moving forward? Well, I think it's a mature room, that's for sure. I mean, you think back to where Nebraska was just, you know, a, a couple of years ago with, you know, Adrian Martinez and, and how healthy he was going to be year after year, and then who was his backup? You know, a couple of years ago, it was we were thankful that Noah Vedral came in for a cup of coffee because that provided some experienced backup. You know, Chubba last year at least had been around the college game. He didn't have many, many snaps at all at Florida State, right? He had been hurt so much. So he didn't have a lot of on-the-field experience, but he had on-campus experience. So that was a positive. But if Casey Thompson comes back at, at what, 29, 30 years of age, I think that's a positive. <laughs> he's an experienced guy. He's a mature guy. There's no doubt about the maturity level of Casey Thompson. And he's a, he's a quality quarterback, I think. Um, and, and to have a guy like Sims, who does have experience at a, at a Power 5 program, um, and not just on campus, but on the field, whether one or the other is the starter and the backup, Nebraska has a very good situation in terms of experienced quarterback play. And, hey, I'm, I'm long going to be a Logan Smothers fan as long as he's in Nebraska. And if he leaves Nebraska and transfers, you know what? Uh, he has done his time, and he has gone through an awful lot. But Smothers has been around. So Nebraska's got experience in that room that I don't think it's had Oh, my gosh. You'd have to go probably back to Turner Gill and Nate Mason, maybe. Mm. Charlie Frazier and Mike Grant. Mm. Uh, That's a a pretty good uh, situation for Satterfield and Rule to have. What do you think of the Dylan Raiola sweepstakes? I'm curious to hear what Bill's got to say about this. I'm guessing Nebraska will be in the Dylan Rayola sweepstakes. And I believe that they will be all in. And no matter what the stories were prior, right or wrong, true or false, I think they will be all in and very attentive to the prospects of bringing in Dylan Rayola. It, it, it certainly is exciting. And I thought, you know, more importantly, I thought Matt Rule gave a great explanation yesterday as to why uh, he brought, you know, kept Matt Rule or uh, Matt. Uh, uh, Donovan Raiola on staff. Mm-hmm. He was part of a system. He's part of a tree. He's part of a uh, culture that they both understand and they speak the same offensive line language. Um, now, I'm sure that, you know, Matt Rule knows, hey, you know, he's got a pretty good nephew. But I, I think people should have an understanding of why Matt Rule kept him on staff and is giving him an opportunity to really prove himself as an offensive line coach. And if he happens to bring his nephew into the fold, all the better. The, the first question from Rule to Papa Raiola isn't going to be on the rocks or blended, is it? <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, what uh, what suite would you like and uh, what can we do to make <laughs> your time here at Nebraska as an alum is uh, comfortable and 
yeah, uh, I'm I'm sure Don, I'm sure Dominic's going to do quite well as a as a proud Papa alum if that that happens. Well, I'm I'm proud of you for the professional answer there after Schmitty came off the top rope. I'm proud of you for that. Yeah, it, it, look, you know, when when he decommitted from Ohio State, yeah, that that just kicked off recruiting 2024. Uh, in an absolute frenzy, and people had forgotten that there was a signing day coming up on Wednesday. Mm. You know, now we're past that. Now it's all twenty. Here's what I hope, though. Okay, if he if if he does go to UCLA or I mean USC mm-hmm. and place for Lincoln Riley, and he can promise him all kinds of Heisman's. If he does go to Georgia or someplace, I, I certainly hope Nebraska fans don't think that that reflects negatively on Matt Rule, and you know says, oh, see, we should have gone with. No, you know, but I, I think there will be a small faction of people say that rule couldn't get it done. And I don't, I just that's don't a, think that's a, a tough competition. Bill, Merry Christmas to you, brother. We'll see you when you get Merry back. Love you guys. And a Merry Christmas to all the Huskers out there. Go big red. There he is. Bill Dolman with us. Good stuff from the pride of Fairbury. Gary Barnett on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency College Football Thoughts. Some recruiting roundup here. Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett with us. Coach, thanks for a few minutes. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. How are we doing? Doing well, Chris. Thank you for the well wishes. And uh, we're just down here in Arizona. We're, we're not experiencing what you are. So we're, we're fortunate. Yeah, it is a whole new world of... Wow, uh, cold wise, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll. Oh, get, it'll change. Yeah, it'll change. Well, it'll it'll change when we get to to Arizona here uh, on the twenty sixth. But I will be warm again soon. Uh, <laughs> this time of year is is fascinating because of of how things have changed with the, the portal, the the early signing period, and NIL. And I want to get your your take on what you thought Colorado did overall. What what was your takeaway with Dion's process and and how Colorado's class ended. How did the the coach prime effect really take hold here for this early signing period? Well, it's really it's hard to assess, and and you know me, I'm not into these rankings, and I'm not even into the stars, four stars, three stars, any of that kind of stuff. But you know, the guy had two weeks to recruit, and one of those weeks he was preparing for a ball game. The, I think the hardest thing was assessing the guys that were already committed, and then the messiness of not taking some of those guys you know it was it was a bit like making sausage i think and you know in the end i think you could start to see some of his effect as you heard recruits talk the last weekend he's just got this magnetic appeal uh because 
most kids or at least all their parents know know him as a Hall of Fame player, great player, nine-time Pro Bowler. But, you know, so that in itself creates a little excitement. So I think overall, you look at what he had to do. I think he did, he did, a, he did all he could do. And um, I think you'll see his effect further down the road than you will in these first two or three weeks that he's had to try to put a class together. And any more, you know, the early signing day, uh, you know, it, it isn't near what it used to be. Uh, as a Even when they went to an early signing date without the portal, mm-hmm. it was all pretty exciting. But, um, you know, what I think happens now is the kids – Kids that are not being recruited by Power Five schools, I think they're wise and not signing yet because all of a sudden they're beca- they're going to become more valuable to Power Five schools because you're not going to get everybody you wanted, and so you see kids that held off, didn't sign, and then all of a sudden when the in G- when January comes around, they've got a lot more visits to uh, bigger programs than they would have had. So you know, there's a process to it, and I think you got to know how to navigate it most of the high school coaches are pretty good at doing that the experienced guys but um you know it's it's a good day i think it's an early signing date and these announcements are more for fans mm-hmm. than they are for anybody else and uh, you just don't know you have to you know put a year or two years in before you really know what you've got gary barnett with his coach of the article in the athletic pretty much detailed uh, some miscommunication or at least some hurt feelings with some of the kids that were given offers, told their offers would be good after Coach Durrell's dismissal and then uh, the, uh, the the kind of divorce, so to speak. What was your policy or process when you took over Northwestern or Colorado? Did you honor scholarships that were given by the previous staff? I know that's that's a touchy subject. It is, and uh, we went in uh, at three of us and just started evaluating every film of every player who was committed. And at that time, we didn't have a lot of commitments to Northwestern. So we didn't have to – and besides, we were trying to beg kids to come, uh, <laughs> not cut them loose. I mean, if they were willing to come, we were willing to take them for the most part. But um, I think there were a couple guys in that group that we just didn't think – were that would fit what we wanted to do or weren't athletic enough or something like that, but not very many, not 13, but you got to understand. Um, and fans need to understand this too, is that we were a 130th in the country in offense and defense. I mean, we were, we were probably the worst team in the country. And so with that comes consequences. And, um, you know, the guy taking over, um, doesn't want to prolong that 130 any longer than he has to. And so he's got a vision of what he thinks uh, his player and his coaches have a vision of what his players uh, should look like and, and play like. And um, so there's going to be changes. And it's just part of the process, sort of the messy part, mm-hmm. like I said, about making sausage and getting that phone call. And, and it, it, you know, it's um, – you hate to say it, but it's the way the game gets played sometimes, and uh, it's not always nice. And I know that phone calls made by athletic directors promising scholarships um, uh, is one thing, and it, and and it's you're going to break about 15 hearts or 14 hearts and get them mad. And I guess that's the price of doing business. 
Gary Barnett with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach Rule ended up, and I know that you're not a, a ranking or a star guy, but Coach Rule did pretty well in the portal, got eight Nebraska kids, lost some in-state kids too, but it wasn't through lack of effort. But in 25 or 26 days, Coach Barnett, Rule really wowed. I mean, he was everywhere. Uh, he was at a lot of different stops. He hit a lot of the state. And I think the, the, the general reaction here 24 hours later is surprise, not that he worked so hard, but Coach, that he was able to pull off what he did. Nebraska got some, some areas of need addressed, and there's the hope, of course, of, of the, the lines of scrimmage getting redeveloped. That's something that Coach Rule's adamant about, but he did kind of a miraculous job. At least that's our in, an initial impression. Matt's approach is going to be a little bit different than uh, Dion's, and you know, Matt went right after the, the Nebraska kids, and you know, Colorado signed one kid from Colorado. And so, um, you know, Matt's going to take care of Nebraska first and then go out and, and, uh, Coach Sanders is going to use his, his, uh, contacts in the South and Texas. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how many guys he goes and gets out of California. But, um, cause I don't think there's anybody on his staff from California. So what happens is the staff you hire, uh, you know, they pretty much, uh, wherever they're from is where they think the best players are, and that's where they go. So, uh, but Matt's Matt's approach is going to be different, and uh, I'm sure that uh, you know he's quite, everybody's quite pleased with what he was able to put together. What was your philosophy? Did you start out at home? Did you start out in Illinois? Did you start out in Colorado? Yes, I call. I started out in Illinois. Started out in Colorado, and uh, I signed every one of my coaches to a portion of Illinois and mm-hmm. a portion of Colorado. Um, I wanted, I wanted a really good, warm, uh, reception and feeling and, and relationship with the local, uh, the state coaches, uh, uh, first and then, then go from out, then go from there. So, uh, I wanted every coach in the state to have somebody they could call on our staff uh, to communicate with about either recruiting or coming up for a weekend or coming to a camp, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was just my way of doing it. And I was a Colorado high school coach. So I had, you know, I, I had a really strong feeling about the high school players in Colorado and, and how much that relationship um, uh, should be worked from the college standpoint. I remember when Chuck Fairbanks was at Colorado and I was a high school coach. You know, I had nine kids go to Missouri and not one go to Nebraska, or to Colorado. Mm. So I was resentful, you know, and, and most of the coaches felt that way in the state. So I didn't, I wanted to heal those wounds. So, um, yeah, that, but that was my approach. So. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, what, uh, did you hire anybody from, from some of the, the, the big states? And I ask that because Coach Rule, as a, a high school coach that's going to be on staff in some form or fashion out of Florida, and uh, there's also going to be a, a pretty high-profile Texas high school coach that's going to be on staff. He did that at Baylor. Did you have any connections in, in some of the the more uh, talent-rich states join you on staff, or how did you navigate that? Well, you, you got to understand, when I went to Northwestern, we were pretty much a national recruiting 
place. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you don't get kids out of areas like you do at other schools. So that wasn't really a possibility. Uh, and at that time, the budgets I had wouldn't afford that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then when I, when I came to Colorado, I was pretty much that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew every high school coach and, uh, I, no, I didn't hire anybody from the high school ranks cause I was already that guy. Mm-hmm. But if, uh, if it would have been a different state then I certainly would have, I always thought that was a good idea, mm-hmm. uh, to try to do it, uh, lo- especially for the local, local kids. Coach, let's dive into some bowl games. We're not going to be back till after the new year. So I, I want to get your thoughts early look here at the Orange Bowl, Tennessee, Clemson. Uh, a lot of orange in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, there is. And I, uh, you know, if Herndon Hooker were, was playing, I that'd be a pretty doggone good game to watch and, uh, and be a part of it. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if Clemson's if Clemson plays that young quarterback, which they have to do now. Yeah, you know, then then I think uh, I, I really think Clemson can win this game, but I think it's a good matchup. I, I think Clemson wins this game. Alabama, K State, K State's getting four. They're up to six and a half now. Yeah, no, you're right, six and a half. It started at four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this one's hard for me, but uh, I just think Alabama. Uh, Surely some of these pundits about recruiting classes and five stars, surely that's got to come into play somewhere. So I'm, I'm going to say Alabama. <laughs> so, somehow that's got to pay off for you someplace. And, you know, you, you got to go with Alabama because of that. But, uh, you know, a, a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. So, um, but Kansas State plays hard, but I got to go Alabama, I think. What do you like about the semifinals here? TCU, Michigan, and then we'll we'll end it with Georgia and Ohio State. You know, I, I, I really like both those games. I, um, I I don't know that Ohio State's got enough defense to handle Georgia. Uh, and that's that's my issue there, and I think Georgia wins the game. The other game, TCU, they um, they showed you they they couldn't keep coming from behind and winning every single game, although they really could have won that last game if they'd made a different call. But uh, uh, I think Michigan may be the best team in the country. I think the Michigan-Georgia matchup could be colossal. That'll be good. Coach, uh, enjoy your holiday season with family and friends, and uh, we'll catch up in the new year. Thanks so much for everything. Chris, great being with you. Thank you. Have a great holiday. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Burke's Best Bets time with VEASAN Sports Network's Danny Burke. at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter is where you find him. Weekend uh, analysis extraordinaire with all your NFL action. Danny, what's going on? Do you have uh, all of your holiday shopping handled? Do you have a few presents gambling tip-wise for uh, our lovely listeners? I actually do have all my presents wrapped up, not actually wrapped up, but like wrapped up in the sense that I have accumulated all of them. So I'm good on that front. have not wrapped any of them yet. So I got to go back to my parents. They got all the wrapping paper. You know very well there's no chance that I'm storing wrapping paper in my apartment. So, uh, yeah, besides <laughs> that, we're looking all good, Schmitty. Well, Daddy, what are some games you're keyed in on, either uh, in process of – 
maybe finally making a pick or some in-game stuff. Uh, lay it out, my man. What what are a couple ball games you're you're really tuned into? Yeah, for Thursday night football, I'm going to be honest, fellas. I don't really have anything. I think it's a gross game all around, and I just kind of want to be old. I wouldn't be shocked regardless of which way it goes down. So I've got nothing in that spot, but I do have some action for the upcoming games this weekend, and I'll start in Cleveland with the Browns and the Saints. So this line has been fairly stagnant at three for a majority of the week. Now, you got to remember before betting all these games, the reason why the totals specifically have uh, altered so drastically is because of these wind conditions, and it's going to be no different in Cleveland. It's going to be very cold, could be snowing, 30-mile-per-hour winds. Right, So what is that going to tell you? Because wins are the most impactful. That tells you it's going to be hard to throw the ball and kick the ball. And to me, that benefits Cleveland more than it does the Saints when you have a team consisting of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, great dynamic running backs. And the Saints are a red zone defense that ranks second worst against the run in the red zone. And it's a defense overall that has slowly but surely regressed throughout the entire course of the season. Now, if you're the Saints, the smart play would be to have Taysom Hill as your quarterback in this game. The smart play would be to have Taysom Hill as your quarterback over Andy Dalton in any capacity, and same with Jameis Winston, but the Saints are not a smart team, and they've been doing dumb stuff this whole season, and that's why they are where they are. It's also kind of the old adage of an indoor team traveling through the uh, brutal weather conditions that would also benefit Cleveland. Now, Deshaun Watson, as their starter for Cleveland, has not been great. I think we can all agree on that. But if there's a game where he can thrive, wouldn't it be a game where you're not asking him to throw it a lot? It's for him to be kind of a dual-threat quarterback. You can run the option, and he's a dynamic threat himself. So you look at the Saints, you have Andy Dalton, you get a lick of pressure on him. He doesn't know what to do. He's flustered. Cleveland's defense is poor, but Alvin Kamara is really going to be the only recipe for their success, and I think up front defensively the Browns will be able to contain it. As for the Saints defense, I think there's still more options on the side of Cleveland that offer threats. So that's why I give the nod to Cleveland, and I'm going to go with the money line instead of the spread because of how windy it is. I wouldn't be shocked if the kickers get affected by this. So I laid about minus 145 on the money line with Cleveland. And then another money line game that I did, fellas, was the Lions and the Panthers. Now, this one is going to be a complete square play, and the public's going to be all over it. But it's one of these games where I'm like, if I'm wrong, so be it. But I think we could be looking back at this spot going, man, we only had Detroit as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, yeah, the, the Panthers have been improved under Steve Wilkes. Like, all the credit in the world where credit is due, but they're still virtually the same Panthers team that we thought were tanking and just a disaster. They don't have the roster talent to compete with Detroit. The Lions have one of the better offensive lines in the league. They've allowed just 19 sacks for Jared Goff, which is tied to youth in the NFL. Jared Goff, knock on wood for this one, hasn't thrown a pick in six games. You're going up against Sam Darnold, who has been fine, but not really the reason why they've been competitive for solid, because he has a completion percentage of under 60% throughout the three games and hasn't completed more than 14 passes. So that's telling you that they're probably going to run it more. All right, the Lions defense against the run this whole season hasn't been great, but there's been a vast improvement over the last three games to where they've limited opposing tailbacks to just 2.9 yards per carry. The Panthers' defense is no bueno. Their offense overall is not strong. And even if the Detroit offense, you know, they get a couple touchdowns, whatever, you know, 14-17, I don't think that Carolina's offense can do enough to compete with them to come back from behind, even though Detroit's defense hasn't been the greatest. Uh, Carolina's red zone defense 
has been severely damaged the last three games. Opponents scoring a touchdown in the red zone 75% of the time, which is second worst. Detroit, overall this whole season, has the third-best red zone offensive efficiency at over 70%. Detroit is fighting for their playoff lives. I get technically same with the Panthers. Detroit's the better team. Like, they should win this game. And if they don't, again, you know what, so be it. I'll be wrong, and I'm not going to be glad to be wrong, but if there's a game where I'm proven wrong, it's this one for me. And so give me Detroit. I did money line as well, minus 135. As you guys know, I'm kind of someone who's willing to lay a little bit more for some security. And then the other game that I have played officially as at this moment, uh, I did the over 48 minus 120 for the Seahawks and Chiefs. Look, Kansas City's defense has been a train wreck these last two games. They've allowed over 26 points per game over the last three. Seattle still has a pretty good offense, though. They're averaging over 25. That's six best. They're averaging six yards per play. That's top five in the league. And Kansas City's second worst in defensive red zone efficiency. As for the Chiefs, they have the number one offense according to DVOA. Seattle 25th ranked defense. Their defense has taken a huge hit in the latter half of this season. Seattle's allowing 5.6 yards per play, which is 28th. The Chiefs average the most yards per play. Kansas City averages the most points per game at about 30. Seattle allows over 25, which is 29th in the NFL. It's going to be a cold game, not necessarily a windy game. So I like this game to feature a lot of points despite Tyler Lockett being out. I don't think the Chiefs' defense is very good, and they always go through these kind of struts where they're just really poor and people are concerned about them. This is one of those times, and I think it'll be a higher-scoring battle in Kansas City. Danny Burke is with us here. It's Burke's Best Bets on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Danny, I noticed you didn't mention any of the Sunday games, the Christmas Day games. You got the Packers and the Dolphins, the Broncos and the Rams, and the Buccaneers and the Cardinals. Is your best bet to shut the TV off and spend some time with loved ones (laughs) so you'll actually enjoy your Sunday? Well, look, the Packers and the Dolphins is the only game worth watching. I, I couldn't care less about the Broncos and Rams and the Bucks and Cardinals. I mean, maybe I'll tease down Tampa Bay, but no way in hell am I going to lay over a touchdown with the Buccaneers, a team I wouldn't have confidence covering seven and a half or seven in the hook against my high school team. So no confidence <laughs> in that regard. But look, the Packers and Dolphins is very intriguing. I do like the Dolphins in this game. I would lean toward them like four. I'd also lean toward the total going over because the Dolphins have a really bad pass defense. They're 26 against the pass. They're allowing over 246 passing yards per game. They're getting thrown on 37 times per game, 44 over the last three, which is second most. They've allowed over 30 completions the last three games, which is the most. 68% completion rate, which is 30th. I'm actually going to be also looking at some Aaron Rodgers props. They haven't been listed yet, but I would be looking at him over his completions and potentially his pass attempts. He averages 21 completions on 32.4 pass attempts per game. They haven't thrown it a lot, but if there's a game where Rodgers needs or can come alive, it has to be against this Miami defense. In a game where they're probably trailing, because I already like Miami, so I think the Packers will be playing from behind. They'll need to throw the ball to have some success. So I'm going to be waiting to see some Rodgers cross. And then on the side of Miami, if you're watching their game last week, where he most came out of nowhere against the third-best run defense for 136 rushing yards on eight yards per carry, well, now you go up against an actually poor run defense, the Packers, who allow opposing running backs five yards per rush attempt. And over the last three games, that's increased to six and a half, the most by a pretty comfortable margin in the NFL. So we'll also wait to see where Mostert's prop comes out for that Sunday game. Danny Burke with us, Burke's Best Bets, Vison Sports Network. Follow Danny at Danny Burke 5. Catch the Danny Burke podcast and hear him all weekend with analysis on the NFL with Vison. Danny, thanks for the time. Merry Christmas, bud. Hey, Merry Christmas to you and yours, guys. Take care and appreciate it as always. 
miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, Thursday edition. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Holiday gifts, hailvarsity.com backslash offer. Like as in, hey, we'd like to offer you Elijah Herbal to come play offensive line. No, they, they wouldn't want to do that. You did the camps. Oh, yeah. You got offered from some folks. Yeah. Yeah. No, nowhere there was offering me as much money as an academic scholarship and then in you, Nebraska. And so. then you did the academic scholarship. Some of us got neither. But uh, Hey, you could have been an athlete, I think. No way. Neither. You could have, like, really gotten into bowling or something. No, and you're you, you're, you're an all right golfer if you would have maybe taken I'm it up a quite little sooner. garbage at golf. Maybe if you would have taken it up that's in, like, middle school. That's because you and Uncle Andy haven't played in seven years, though, so that's why you think I'm an okay golfer. <laughs> that's fair. I've only played a full 18 uh-huh. four times in my life. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 But we had fun. Hey, I'm good, cool. I'm good for one good swing of hole. No, that, and, and I know. I, I saw that. <laughs> One good swing of hole is good enough for me. That's why I really like uh, best ball with a, with a partner because and then I get that. that I get nerds Jay Moore. Well, yeah. no, I, I like it because then my three or four bad swings a hole are thrown to the side because I have somebody else who's trying to hit it as hard as you can. And then I have one like perfect swing every single hole, and they go, "Ah, we'll use your ball this time." And I go, "Thank the Lord, it's why I'm here." Makes me feel good about my golf game. Get your subscription to uh, Hale Varsity Digital. Hail Varsity Magazine saves some moolah doing it. And uh, that is the final word from me. Uh, the new issue out, am- amazing work. Mike Babcock, Brandon Vogel, uh, of course, Aaron Sorensen, Jacob Padilla, uh, Brady Altman's story is incredible. Fantastic. Uh, and just, yeah, get it. Enjoy it if you're a Nebraska fan or if you uh, have a Nebraska fan, get them taken care of. Uh, best of tomorrow? Yes. Okay. There's a little question mark at the end of that, like I'm Ron Burgundy. Best of tomorrow, I have family Christmas. So excited for that. Well, I'm uh, pretty sure I've been asking around to like people and be like, hey, you want to do the, the Hale Varsity show with me tomorrow? And I'm pretty no, sure I'm going to be the no. only person in the building after noon tomorrow. I, I think. I got uh, one more show manana in the morning and then well, we are break. We are going to be live Saturday morning, though, for a Christmas oh, yes. live. If you have any last-minute Christmas Eve shopping you're doing, we'll be live on ESPN Lincoln from 7 to 9. Yeah, we are doing Christmas the Saturday Eve show. morning. So uh, that'll be good. And uh, then we'll have one last live show with Cranac as well that you can listen to throughout your entire holiday break. So we wanted to leave that for you. We, uh, we know we're, we're taking one a day off a little bit early tomorrow with the best of show. We're going to hear some of our best interviews the past couple of months. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you what, I've already started my preparations for this show. Ah. There's some great interviews that we are going to have uh, replayed for you. So if you missed anything over the last couple of months, you're going to hear some of the best that we have, uh, we have done uh, really since our move into Omaha and on 590. We're going to have some of our, our, our highlights since then. And then we're going to be back at it live Saturday morning, seven to nine. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, get the podcast, uh, subscribe and tell us what you think. Uh, give us a rating good bad or ugly we'll take it also tell you there's some news forthcoming uh, tomorrow which uh, we'll tell you about in the show i think if you follow h varsity radio on twitter at h varsity radio that is for the hail varsity radio twitter account you'll be seeing some news coming your way tomorrow as well we'll let you know at least i'll let you know tomorrow on the show what that news is it's good news you guys will uh, will like what the news is good that's awesome uh check the podcast spotify itunes google play and yes the hail varsity youtube channel can watch the show posted there big thanks to bill dolman gary barnett 
Brandon Vogel in a cabin out in the woods in eastern Tennessee made time for us. Thanks for your time. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.